Well, good morning. I'm uh, kind of excited to be here, and I'm really, really very excited about this upcoming series, that, or this series that we're in, this Advent Conspiracy. It's, um, we want to talk about turning Christmas upside down, right? And so, uh, like, that's a great idea, because, um, well, maybe we ought to look at it this way. Maybe we ought to think about turning Christmas right side up. Is it possible that there's something about the way that we do Christmas, about the way that we celebrate the season, about all the different things that we do that maybe isn't quite right, that maybe could use an adjustment or a tweak or a whole new refitting, perhaps that there is. I, I wonder sometimes if we ever, like if we could talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, how would you like us to celebrate your birthday? What, what are the things that you would like us to do to celebrate um, your birthday and, and to remember? You know, do, I wonder if he would say things like, well, if you really want to honor me for my birthday, like if you really want to go all out and celebrate my birthday, what I want you to do is take your Thanksgiving holiday, this holiday that's dedicated to thanking God for his abundant provision in your life, and I want you to cut that short. Stop doing that and run off and go buy some whole more new stuff that you don't have yet. That's how I want you to celebrate. And let that be the beginning of an entire month of running around like crazy people, buying things for people that you may not even remember their names half of the time. And you're almost certain that perhaps they won't remember yours. And maybe along the way during the entire season, you can bake like it's the end of the world and eat like there's no tomorrow. All as part of this giant process where we're just going to raise the bar of our level of emotional expectations of our family and our friends up so high that no human being on earth could possibly live up to all of that virtually guaranteeing that there is a wave of disappointment that breaks forth into the new year and sets the course for the coming year. That's how I want you to celebrate my birthday. I, somehow I think that's not it. Somehow I think that's not what Jesus would say would be his dream celebration for his birthday. Sometimes I think we get so busy planning our celebration of his birthday that we forget to invite him to the party at all. This morning is the first Sunday of Advent, as Mike was talking about. And um, it's as we lead up to Christmas, uh, during these Sundays of Advent, we want to intentionally and very prayerfully and purposely make our hearts ready to celebrate the coming of Jesus, to celebrate the focal point of Christmas, and that's Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, right? A baby in the manger, the hope of the world. And with the reason we want to prepare our hearts and take an entire month of Sundays to do that is because his coming is so significant. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to undervalue it. We don't want to let it slip by unobserved. And so in the same way that we're going to all spend the better parts uh, of this next month in preparation for the big day, right? And we'll, we'll do that by shopping, and we'll do it by decorating, and we'll do it by cooking and getting together with family and friends and coworkers. We're going to spend a lot of time getting ready for Christmas. We want to give at least that much preparation and at least that much attention to our hearts and to our spirits and to what God does in us as we celebrate Christ's birth. And so along the way, we want to turn Christmas upside down. And we want to hopefully intentionally create a Christmas a season that it may be a little more in keeping with what Jesus might actually want. And towards that end, we'll start this morning talking about how, what it is to worship fully throughout this season of Christmas. And then we'll, next week, as Mike mentioned, we're going to talk about what it means to spend less and why we might do that and how that could allow us really to give more of what really matters, and then kind of take all of that together and bring it together as an expression of what it means to love all, a reflection of God's love for all of us as well. And that's going to be our season. And a lot of what we talk about is going to cut across the grain a little bit. It might be 
kind of countercultural for us. It may be different than the way we were raised. It may be different than kind of the general tone of what we live in around us day in and day out. It'll cut against the grain. So I want to say at the beginning, we are not against Christmas. Okay, we're not against traditions and decorations and lights and all the different things. We're very much for them. But we do, and I say, I do, I want to rock your world a little bit. And I want to challenge you maybe to think about Christmas in a different way, perhaps, than you ever have before. And along the way, as we do that, it might make you a little uncomfortable. It might bring you to a point of challenge a little bit. And if it does, if you feel like I've crossed a line or we've gone too far or that uh, we're not taking Christmas seriously enough or anything like that, please, you can send an email. Just address it to bahumbug at lifecenternorth.org. And I will make sure that it gets all the attention that it deserves. What is it that you think that Jesus really wants for Christmas? Or I guess if I would put it another way, what is it that you think Jesus really deserves for his birthday? When I think about that, when I reflect on that, when I think, uh, read through the scriptures, I come up with only one word, and the word is worship, that Jesus deserves to be worshiped. You know, I mean, we see it right in the events of the Christmas narrative itself, right? The shepherds show up, and they find Jesus and the family there at the manger, and, and they worship him. The, the wise men, they come from distant lands, and they, they find Jesus. And what do they do? They, they, they bend their knees. They bow in worship. They give him gifts. It seems to me that when people came across Jesus in the original narrative of Christmas, the only appropriate response was to worship. And it's not just that Jesus wants to be worshipped, it's that he deserves the worship. That, that baby in the manger is God in human flesh. He is all those things that we read from uh, the book of Colossians earlier. He deserves to be worshipped, and he deserves to be worshipped fully. But what is worship in the first place? And what does it look like when we do worship fully? Well, worship is simply this. It's the time and the effort and the focus that we give to praising God and to blessing God and to directing our attention to God and to honoring God. See, worship is all about God and, and what we do to draw attention to him and his goodness, his greatness, his wonderfulness, and all of his attributes that way. And if we're going to do that fully, if we're going to worship fully this season, there are a few things that we're going to have to keep in mind. There are a few things that we're going to have to learn and stay focused on when it comes to worship. And the first one is this, that full worship is a lifestyle. It's not just an event. Now, we tend to, like we come in on a Sunday morning and, and more or less the first half of our service is spent in songs and singing to God or about God, right? And we tend to call that the worship time. And that can sometimes, unfortunately, lead to the misunderstanding that that's all that worship is, is the singing of songs to and about God. And while that's a part of our worship, it's not at all all of our worship. Worship is not limited to a few minutes on a Sunday. The process of... Um, uh, praising God and blessing Him and honoring Him and glorifying Him and calling attention to Him on magnifying Him. The process of doing that is a 24-7 everyday reality. It's not just limited to 20-minute spurts on a Sunday morning that way. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, there was an issue, uh, a couple issues that were in discussion. It was about what's the right best way to live out your love for God. And there was, a, there was some disagreement about like on the issue of, of meat that had been sacrificed to other idols. Some of the believers said, you should never eat meat that has been sacrificed to another idol. That would be an outrage. 
And there are others who said, well, that, I mean, those other idols aren't real. They don't represent anything real. It's just meat that's good to eat, and you can get it at a great bargain. No big thing. So some people said you should, and some people said that you shouldn't eat. There was a similar dialogue and a conversation over the idea of drinking, whether those who followed Christ should drink alcohol or not. And on both sides of both issues, people were saying, as an expression of my love for God and my passionate pursuit of Jesus, I choose either to eat or not to eat. I, I am free either to drink or not to drink. And this is what Paul says. He says, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Understand that every decision you make, for or against on whichever issue, just make sure that you're seeing that issue, that life decision, that direction. You're seeing that as an expression of your relationship with God, that you can look the creator, you can look your God in the eye and say, I am doing this as an expression of my love for you and to bring glory to you. See, for Paul, worshiping God wasn't just for the worship service. It wasn't just the singing. It was an all-life kind of a thing. He wrote to the Colossians elsewhere. He said, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not as for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart so that God would be glorified in your effort. So some of you with plans to go out and do a bunch of your Christmas shopping this afternoon, you're going, yes, I'm going to shop as unto the Lord with all my heart. <laughs> I hope so. I hope that the life that we choose to live and the decisions that we make, we can declare with passion, I'm doing this as an expression of my love for God, and I'm doing it for him with all of my heart. That is full worship. That is worship that goes beyond just a few minutes at a time anywhere else. So what might that look like for us this Christmas season? How can we worship the Lord 24-7? How can we make a whole season be full of worshiping fully? Can I suggest a few things? That maybe when we decorate, because we're all going to do that, right? We're going to put lights up and, uh, and decorations and different stuff. We're going to do that. When we do it, can we maybe just remind ourselves that we're doing this in the honor of a God who is a beautiful, creative God, a God who created beauty in the first place? when we put lights up on the house or string them on the tree, can we remember that, that this, what the scripture says of Jesus, that in him was life and that life was the light of men, that this Jesus whose coming we celebrate is in fact the light of the world. When we give presents and gifts to one another, can we, can we just remind ourselves and, and, and bring into our focus, into our mindset, this reality that we give gifts to one another as a reflection of the very good gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. God, who loved the world so much that he gave, asks us to love that same world so that we give as well. When we get together with our family and we gather for times of celebration and fun and everything else like that, can we remember that the reason Jesus came in the first place was to make it possible for you and for me to be adopted into God's family in the first place? And when we put up a tree and set that up as a focal central point of our celebration, can we remember that when Jesus came, he was laid in a manger made of wood, marking the beginning of his life. And that life was brought to an end on another piece of wood as he hung on the cross, nailed there to die, to make payment for the sins that you and I would eventually commit. Can we just remind ourselves at every step of the way throughout the season that all of this can be connected in our minds and in our hearts and in our thinking with what is at the center and what is at the focus of this season? Because worship is not a one-time or a one-time event. It is an all-the-time 
everyday kind of a reality. Here's something else that we need to remember. If we're going to worship fully throughout the Christmas season, it's this, that full worship, it takes place on God's terms, not on my terms. That if I'm going to honor God, if I'm going to glorify Him, if I'm going to call attention to His goodness and His greatness and things like that, if I'm going to bless Him and honor Him, then I need to do something that's going to connect with Him more than it necessarily connects with me. So in the Kilpatrick family lore, there's a Mother's Day years and years ago where my father and my grandfather conspired together to get a Mother's Day gift for my grandmother. They wanted to honor her. They wanted to bless her. They wanted to do it in a way that was on her terms, and so they got her an outboard motor for the fishing boat. <laughs> now, they needed to have their Mother's Day turned upside down, right? They missed the point that when you bless and honor someone, you do it in a way that's on their terms, not your own. And when it comes to worship, we're supposed to be honoring God and praising God and blessing God. But so often I hear myself and I hear others discussing the kind of worship that we like, the kind of things that I like in worship, paying more attention to the kind of worship that blesses me than simply assuming. And then after I, after I figure out what I like in worship, like, like I'm a connoisseur of the worship experience, once I figure out what I like, well, God must obviously like that best because, you know, God and I, we're tight. So, so one group of people says, I like the fast songs. I like the celebrational songs. I like the upbeat and the clapping. Others will say, I like a slow, reflective, thinking, meditative song that helps me connect. Right? Some people say, the only, the only worship songs I can connect to are the hymns. And other people say, the only kind of music in all the world that puts me to sleep are the hymns. Right? You know, I love it when people are involved in worship, when they're clapping and when they're raising their hands and when they're fully engaged and someone else says, when people are fully engaged in clapping and raising their hands, I find it so distracting, I can't connect with anything. And we have all these different versions of what it is that I find uh, preferable in worship. Can I risk being blunt for a second? Who cares what you think? <laughs> We're not worshiping you. It doesn't matter. What matters is God being honored. Does it connect with him? Is he being blessed by whichever expression of worship that is there? I will tell you, I think we've got the greatest worship team in the world. They do, yeah. They do a great job musically. They do a great job in every way. But I'm here to tell you this. They're not here for a show, and what they do is not a concert, okay? Um, when you come in and when we pass the offering down the road, that's not your cover charge. What our worship team does when they're here is they play and they worship for an audience of one, and that's Jesus. And they invite all of us to join with them in that experience. Some of the times you're going to find, I really connect with their music. I love what they're doing there musically. And I hope that God does too. Other times you're going to go, I do not connect at all with what's taking place here musically. This is not a style that's my favorite. But I hope in those moments we can also celebrate but I think that God is being blessed. I believe that God is being pleased. And I'm going to join in, not because it makes my day better, but perhaps because it makes his day better. That's the point of worship, after all. If we're worshiping God, it's his opinion that should matter, not mine. There was a guy named Jeremy Dalton years ago. He was a worship leader. And he talked a lot about how kind of the Psalms give us an indication of the kinds of worship that God wants. Because it talks about, hey, praise him with the 
cymbal, praise him with the drums, praise him with the clapping, praise him with the shouting and the rejoicing, all the different ways to praise him. And Jeremy said this, he said, if I were God and I got to decide what was pleasing and what was appropriate, it wouldn't look anything like that. He said, if it were up to me, it would read, praise him with the buffet. (laughs) Then go forth and praise him with the nap, right? It would be like Thanksgiving weekend, eat, sleep, repeat as necessary. It would be perfect. But he says, but we don't have that luxury because we're not the ones being worshipped. God Almighty is being worshipped. And so we look to him to set the standard for what is appropriate, for what is meaningful, for what is full worship. So what do we see in Scripture when we get there? Jesus was having a conversation in John chapter 4 with a lady. She lived up in one area where the tradition there was, you were free to worship Jehovah, you were free to worship God up here on the local mountain, and that was okay. But that was... um, That was completely different than what they were teaching in Jerusalem, where they taught that the only appropriate and right way to worship God was in the temple in Jerusalem. And so there was this tension between these two camps about what was the right way, the appropriate, what kind of worship was the worship that pleased God the best, right? That was the ongoing conversation, and it was into that dialogue that Jesus speaks these words. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And what I love about that passage, first of all, is this idea that the Father, that God the Father is actually seeking for a particular kind of worshiper. That there are kinds of worshipers that as he kind of looks out across humanity and his eyes roam to and fro, there are certain kinds of worshipers and certain ways of worship that when that is happening, he goes, oh, that connects with me. I feel honored by that. I feel um, blessed by that. I feel what's taking place is appropriate by that. And it's interesting that we go, yeah, I want to be a part of that. It does has nothing to do with the style of music or, or anything like that. It says that the kind of worshiper that the Father is looking for is a worshiper who worships in spirit and in truth, that where both of those are present God is pleased, and he receives that as a powerful expression of worship that resonates with him, okay? So what does that mean for us? Because we're talking about worshiping Christ fully throughout this Christmas. What would it mean to worship in spirit and in truth where Christmas is concerned? I think I want to just say just this, that one of the ways that we worship fully is that we participate in the spirit of Christmas. See, there's, there's a spirit of Christmas that's out there that it has to do with, right, it has to do with um, peace, peace on earth, and joy, and love, and giving, and kindness to your fellow man, right? And Christians recognize that those are some of the hallmarks of what Jesus' ministry was like, and that's why it's appropriate for that to be part of the spirit of Christmas. But there are people all around the world who know nothing about Jesus, nothing about his birth, but who celebrate Christmas as a season that's full of the spirit of love, and generosity, and giving, and kindness, and peace, and stuff. One of the ways that we worship God fully as worshipers in spirit during this season is to to join in with that chorus of people who are celebrating the meaning of the season, a very general sense of goodness, grace, kindness, peace with your fellow man. And some of those people will be um, those who are following Jesus with us, and other people may not have any interest in following Jesus with us, but, but they're celebrating the season and the spirit of the season, right? And we can join in with that. That's part of our full worship. But if our association of worshiping God in the spirit of Christmas is limited to the very general, 
we've missed the whole other side because in addition to worshiping in spirit, we're called to worship in truth. And in addition to be a celebrating a particular kind of spirit, there is a very specific and a very focused truth associated with Christmas as well, at least as we read it in Scripture. And it is this, that in the person of Jesus Christ, Almighty God took on human flesh and dwelt among us, lived among us and lived a perfect life, ultimately to be sacrificed, to be killed on a cross for our sins so that our sins would not prevent us from having eternal life with God the Father in heaven. That is a powerful statement of the truth that's inherent in our celebration of Christmas. And so I want to call us this season, as we seek to worship fully throughout the season, let's join in generally with the spirit of Christmas, yes. But let's not forget to join in equally fully, equally aggressively, equally passionately about this idea that Christmas represents a really powerful truth. It's what's going to set our celebration of Christmas apart from those who are not Christ's followers, and that's okay. We understand that in the person of Christ, there's something going on that we believe is true, that we believe is factual, that we believe is the truth, that, that this baby whose coming we celebrate is the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're going to worship throughout the season 24-7 all the time, right? It's a whole life kind of an event. And we're going to worship in spirit and in truth on God's terms, not just according to our own preferences. And then finally this. We recognize that full worship is an act of surrender. The act of worship is a, is a giving over of our whole selves to the God whom we worship. If you want a great picture of what it looks like in the throne room of God, Isaiah chapter 6 is the place to go. It's this, there's this great image where Isaiah describes how he got there and what it was like, and there's a throne room, and there's fire, and there's smoke, and there's angelic beings flying around all over the place. It's just crazy and awesome and wonderful. But in the middle of that, in the middle of this moment where, the, where there's the angels are, and the beasts are flying around and crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It's like the coolest worship experience ever, Okay, And in the middle of it, Isaiah comes to grips with this fact that when I'm called into God's presence to worship him, I'm also called um, to respond to him. Isaiah puts it this way. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah understood that to be there worshiping God and in his presence, to be worshiping was one thing, but the fullest expression of worship is an expression of surrender that says, I no longer exist for me, I no longer exist for my own purposes or for my own ends or for my own pleasure or comfort. Because I worship the King of Kings, I exist for his goals, whatever they may be. So to fully worship the Lord is to position ourselves in a place to say, God, here I am, send me. That may be that may mean send me to my family. It may be send me on the mission field. It may be send me into the workplace, to my school. God, send me away from my final exams, whatever it may be. But Lord, where you want me to go, that's where I'm going to be. And how you ask me to live, that's how I'm going to live. There's a, when I worship, the worship of God is incomplete without an action that follows up. And if we become people who really seek to worship God fully, we're going to find that we're going to hear the voice of God sending us somewhere. And those who worship in spirit and those who worship in truth, those who worship fully, 
are those who respond and go where the God they worship sends them. And all of that, that sense of being united as one with God's intentions and his goals and his purposes, that ability to hear his voice and to be known by him and to be sent by him, it comes from a moment of communion with him. That was Isaiah's experience, right? He came into God's throne room, God allowed him there, and they were close, and out of that emerged his calling and his sending. I'm going to invite us here uh, to share together a moment of communion, and hopefully as we leave, a moment of being sent into a season in which we worship Christ fully throughout this Advent. The band's going to come out in just a moment, and we're going to continue to worship the Lord. We're going to sing some songs, and hopefully as we're um, singing these words, we're giving God glory. We're calling attention to His greatness. And uh, the elements will be up front. There's some stations, uh, two at the front, and there's some on the sides as well. And as we worship, when the time is right for you, you don't have to rush to be first. You don't have to wait to be last. You don't have to wait in line. Listen for the voice of God prompting you, because when the time comes, I'm asking you to make this statement by coming forward and receiving the elements of communion. By, by coming forward and taking the bread and dipping it in the cup, and then partaking of that, I'm asking you to make this statement. Lord, here in your presence, here as I worship you, I surrender. I'm asking you to make the statement, here I am, Lord, send me. Whatever that looks like for you in your context in this Christmas season, this time that we spend in communion together will also be a time of declaring that we are waiting to be sent into the season by the very Christ whose coming we celebrate. Let's worship, and when you're ready, come on forward and receive the elements.